Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. Today I'm talking to my friend, chef, restaurateur, and author Marco Canora, who makes the most delicious bone broth, is an amazing chef. He owns three restaurants, Hearth, which I took my dad to, Zadie's Oyster House, which I took my son to, and, of course, Brodo. He also won the James Beard Foundation Award for Best Chef in New York City, but I cannot even believe that he says it's no big deal. Here is my conversation with Marco Canora. But are all chefs, like, cuckoo? Like, I thought actors are cuckoo, rabbis are cuckoo, cuckoo, psychiatrists are cuckoo, makeup artists are chefs also. You have to be cuckoo to do this job, to be a chef in New York City and other big cities. It's just, I mean, maybe cuckoo is not the right word. You do it. You're unbalanced. You're totally unbalanced. And, you know, you're doing it because you love it and you're passionate about it because there's absolutely no money in it. Um, There's no money in it. No, not not what a, being a you know being a psychotic perfectionist yeah. chef running a restaurant and working you know sixteen hours a day to make every plate perfect. It's fine, but you're not gonna like send your girl your kids to college. Well, um, you are <laughs> definitely someone that other chefs that I know are like. Oh my god, that guy figured it out first. So we're gonna go back to the story because I never know when this <laughs> podcast actually turns. The mic on, but so most of the times they just edit it from the time someone walks in. Perfect. Yeah. I like so, that. So um, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It's it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, but first of all, what you guys don't understand is um, Marco walked in today with bags and bottles, <laughs> and I am so obsessed with Brodo, I can't even tell you. So, That's so great. I have your book I bought years ago. I actually have, I own a couple of it. Of them. I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible chef, cook, and I made dinner um, last two nights ago. My son, who is, he thinks he's a chef. He's my kids are all amazing. Said to me, "Mom, there's no taste. There's no flavor." I made lentil <laughs> soup. I made three vegetables, and he said, "How'd you make it?" I didn't know that you had to put salt while you're cooking to. Oh, wow. Make I don't know these things. Okay. I don't know how my kids know. And I guess, and now the name of your book, <laughs> Salt to Taste. Thank my you. First book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I must. Okay. Besides, it's I pretty critical. Well, I don't. I never knew that stuff. Yeah. It's like such basic things. Like when, like, do you put an egg in a pan while it's hot, or do you put it in after, or do you heat it up after the eggs in? Though, do you guys know the answer to that? See, one yes, one no. <laughs> There's a lot of nuance in cooking, you know. There's it, no steadfast rules, I'd like to say. So is your first book all about all those kind of basic things that yeah. you think are common I, sense? Yeah, I would say my first book is very kind of educational. Right. It's like on on methods and theories right. of cooking because like I I'm totally not a fan of the recipe. Right. I think it's totally bogus. I think people, you but know. But then you have wrote I know, a cook, and I published wrote three books with recipes books. in them, okay. but like that's kind of what you have to do. I just look at the pictures. Yeah, I don't exactly. No, which is why that's I can't, what I do too. Which, which is why I can't bake. So right. So, where did we uh, meet? Was it on Instagram first? 
Mm, I think maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you were you were coming into the shop in yeah. the West Village, yes. and you were like in IG storying right. about it. Yeah, um, and we were like, "Oh my God, Bobby Brown loves us." Bobby Brown loves. How cool! We got to reach yeah. out to her. I do. I truly, and then this truly has been going on, and then I was like, "You know what? I'm going to just call you." And, and I just like called you. And we had a really good time on the phone. <laughs> I, I said, you've got to be on my podcast. And I convinced you to come into the restaurant. No, I said, my dad's in town. I need some place to go. Yeah. So we first, <laughs> so you have two restaurants or three right uh, now in New York. So I have my main restaurant, Hearth Restaurant. And then I have an oyster bar down the street called Zadie's Oyster Room. Um, and I'm Went about to, to open up a six month a year kiosk on the High Line. <gasps> It'll be Hearth on the High Line. Oh, so cool. Yeah, it's kind so, of fun. Oh, really cool. I had been running that with an ex-partner of mine. Called, uh, it was called Terroir. It was a wine uh-huh. bar. And uh, we we just renewed for three more years, and it's going to be Hearth right. on the High Line. And you have a kiosk still in Astor Place? Yeah, so Brodo, uh, we just opened up our fifth location, mm-hmm. and it's a six-month-a-year kiosk in Astor Place. The other warmer months will be a ice pop stand. Okay. And I hear you're opening another place called Marco in Montclair. I just made that up. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Montclair. Yeah. So where are you from, first of all? Where'd you grow up? Uh, upstate in the Hudson Valley. Okay. A little town called Milton. Okay. They call it Milton on the Hudson now to make it sound cooler than okay. it is. <laughs> I bet it's cool up there. It is kind of cool. And what was it like growing up? What was your life? Uh, I was a very, very lucky kid because my mom... Uh, came from Tuscany and I grew up with really great food. So like the kitchen was the center of my home. Um, we had a beautiful garden and my mom was a fantastic cook Wow! and she didn't let me eat any of the junk foods that were kind of everywhere in the seventies and eighties in supermarkets. Mm-hmm. Um, no sweet cereals for me, grape nuts only. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was like the snack at my, the snack, uh, the after school snack at my house was nuts in the shell with a nutcracker wow <laughs> that you were popular say, yeah, no one, no one <laughs> wanted to come Aww. and hang out at my house yeah. uh and how about dad what did he do um he kind of like exited the scene early so okay. so i was raised mom. single mom yeah okay brothers and sisters older sister okay yep is, is she and, in the food business um she kind of dabbles in the food business she's okay. in the wine business now okay she sells wine uh, New Zealand wine, to be uh-huh. specific. Do you sell at the restaurant? Um, yeah, we have yeah. some of her wine on okay. our on our list. Uh-huh. Um, so, but you know, she loves food, and she's a great cook, and my mom's a great cook, and my aunt's a great cook, and like, food has been from moment one that I could remember, like such an integral, cool, great thing. And did you um, like as a kid? Did you play sports? No, no, not into sports. No. Music, never what was a, your thing? Never a sports guy. Yeah. What was your thing beside in in high school um, or a kid? I was a bit I was a bit of a troublemaker, you know. Okay. Like I rode my BMX bicycle around uh-huh. and tried to not get into trouble. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, did you were you a troublemaker <laughs> or you tried not to get into trouble? I mean, I was I was generally a good kid, yeah. but like I, I was the guy on the handball courts, um, you know, like playing handball and smoking weed. Okay. I wasn't like into sports. Right. Ever. Okay. But at least you played And then handball. I got a job in the, in the restaurant business in high school. Okay. And it was like perfect. And what it was, was like your job? High energy. I was a dishwasher. You were a dishwasher. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I wrapped like a big plastic bag. I wrapped a garbage bag around me and like, I, you know, I wrecked it in the dish pit. Aw. And it was great. And I loved it. It was high energy. I hope you have pictures um, of that. You know, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I do, but Aww. it was a it was a cool place called the Ship Lantern Inn on uh, Route 9W in the Hudson Valley, uh-huh. 
And it was my first foray into that business. Mm. And like, it was the coolest thing ever. The chefs were like, you know, there was fire and knives and like, they were super cool and they ate delicious things. And I was like, this is the mm. coolest thing ever. And when you graduated high school, did you go to college? I did. I went to Pace University here in Manhattan okay. and got a degree in international marketing. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. That's good to know though. It totally is. Yeah. yeah, it's helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, and I worked in the music business for a couple of years because I thought I wanted to try something else. Right. And what kind of job did you have? Um, it was actually quite funny. Uh, I worked for one of the uh, one of the first booking agencies for rap and mm-hmm. R&B acts. It was huh. called Famous Artist Agency. That's a great name. Jerry, <laughs> yeah, Jerry Aid was the, the founder and owner of it. Who were some of the acts? Would I have heard of them? Uh, well, they did the Four Tops and okay. the Temptations oh, and cool. Patti LaBelle and Run DMC. Yeah. And like, he was really like first guy in cool. in that scene. And like, did you go to all the shows? Did you get no, to? No, so, so here's the funny part. I worked in the family in the uh, the family entertainment business. Uh-huh. So I worked for the guy who booked uh, the Moscow Circus and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles around huh? the country. Okay. So I had like this, I had this big map of the United States, uh-huh. and and I basically was in charge of like moving Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles across the country. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Thrilling. That's no. It's and I really had the cool. guy, and like I worked in the small office, and this guy was behind me, and he just like his whole life was spent screaming on the phone. Uh, well, and like I left, I left that. two years of that job with like PTSD. I was like, oh my god, get me the fuck out of here. And then did you have a, so did you bad. have another job when you left, uh, or you just left and then figured it out? I worked at um at Dean and Deluca on Prince Street. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. What well, in what department? In prepared foods. Okay. Of course. And like, and I never went, and, right. and I never went back, huh. and I stayed in the restaurant business ever since. Okay, so Dean and DeLuca is your first job. Yeah. What was your second? Well, no, Ship Lantern Inn. As oh, a, right. As okay. A, yeah. Right. Don't forget the dishwashing. Okay. Because then I went to pot washer, and then I went to I worked uh, two nights on the line, ah. Friday and Saturday nights. Okay. Which, which, by the way, if there's any kids listening that wants to get into the business, you have to work really hard, and whatever job you get. You have to do it really good, even if it's washing dishes. Oh, yeah. I was the best dishwasher yeah. ever. Oh, and you're proud of it. I loved it. Yeah. I love cleaning. Uh-huh. Really? I do. Oh, so do I, kind of. It's a control thing. It's very therapeutic. It's yeah. a control thing. You, like, control your own destiny. Yeah. You, like, see the results. It's great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love cleaning. So what was your job after Dean and DeLucas? Uh, what did I do? I got on my motorcycle and drove cross country. Okay, your landed BMX in bike Boulder, turned into a, a motorcycle. motorcycle. I had yeah. a feeling. A 1975 yeah. BMW. Uh huh. Um, drove it cross country with a good friend of mine, and we stopped in Boulder, and we lived in Boulder for almost two years. And I worked at a hotel, Hotel Boulderado. Mm-hmm. Um, Boulderado, fish, what a, a name! Fish restaurant. <laughs> okay. A fish restaurant in Colorado. There's no Doesn't fish. Really go hand in there's, hand. Yeah, I know. there's no fish, but okay. Um. And I was a line cook yeah. there. And then from there, I went to San Francisco. And I worked at a little place called Backstage. Um, it was near Stars, mm-hmm. and it was during that era. And um, and he, the, the owner of that place, went through head chefs like crazy. Right. So in my two-and-a-half-year tenure there, I saw like five chefs come and go. So I was kind of like the default chef mm. as like a 20-something kid. And every time the new chef came in, he was like, what's going on? Tell me the deal. And like... So it was kind of nice because I worked, I saw like a bunch of different chef styles mm-hmm. and stayed in one place, right? which was kind of great. And so how old were you at this point? I don't know. I think like early, mid-20s, okay. 24-ish. Yeah. And then when did you get back to New York? Um, 
I met a girl. Aha. Uh-huh. And she got accepted to NYU grad school for okay. film. Okay. Uh, and uh, we packed our motorcycles and all of our stuff, and we drove cross country back I'm, to New York. I'm guessing she's not the girl you married. No, she's okay. not. Okay. <laughs> Why do you say that? I don't know. Because well, I had a guy. With, I had a guy with a motorcycle. <laughs> I didn't marry him either. So, yeah, that's why. All right. So your first job in New York. Gramercy Tavern. Oh, that is quite yeah. a first job to have. It was amazing. They were only and open you for washing, two years. And you weren't washing dishes. No, I got a, I yeah. talked my way into a line cook job there. Okay. And that was really great because, you know, it was Danny Meyer and Tom Colicchio was yeah. their second, you know, it was Danny's wow. second restaurant. So to work there, I worked there for five years and to see Danny and Tom at that stage of their career. Right. I know like Danny, I don't present, know Tom. So what's um, what's Tom like? Tom's amazing. I mean, he's uh, he's super smart, very talented, very supportive. He's a great manager of people. Um, I consider him a mentor. Yeah. I worked mm-hmm. for him for almost 10 years. Wow. Um, we're still great friends today. And is that how you know Lauren, our yeah. mutual chef yeah. friend? Yeah, he took over Craft yeah. Bar. Okay. Yeah. And he's now in Montclair. Exactly. Yeah. Killing I'm going to keep over saying there. Montclair. Turtle and the Wolf. Turtle and the Wolf. Have yes. you eaten there? I have not. Oh, let me know when you want to come. I don't get to Montclair. You could. St- very I'll give much. you a room at the George Hotel. All right, I oh, love yeah. it. Oh <laughs> yeah, you and your wife. That sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So, um, how long were you there? Um, at Gramercy mm-hmm. for like five and a half years. Wow. And then opened up Kraft. I was the opening executive ah, chef at Kraft. That's a big restaurant. I re- that was a huge yeah. restaurant opening. You know, wow. big six million dollar build out. Yeah. Huge. But like, a big restaurant too, right? Very large. Yeah. Uh, very buzzy. Yeah. It was very right. intense times. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did pretty good for ourselves. We got a three star review in the Times. We won best chef in the country. Well, wow. best restaurant in the country that year. Uh huh. Um. And, you know, it really was the beginning of Tom building right. his empire. Hmm. And you also, um, so was that the James Beard Foundation? Yeah. So that was your big. Well, that was that was when I was under Tom, the well, big Because you got awarded the best chef. That was in 2017, okay. best chef in New York City. Okay, wait. So is there anything else before that that we should talk about? Before because what? Because that's like a huge thing. I mean, did that like put you on the map? I mean, that came very that's late huge. in my career. Yeah, but that came two years no, ago. Oh, that's not late in your career, dude. You're just starting. I'm, oh, come on, oh. not in this game. You, you, know, you don't. You, you don't start the chef game at fifty. Well, you're not starting it, but you're in. Right. You're in the no, beginning I, of your I long career. Yeah. But I yeah. Hear you. Okay. I'm so, with you. so after um, craft, where did you go? Uh, I raised money and opened up Hearth. Okay. On First okay. and Twelfth in right. two thousand three. And everybody thought we were crazy because, you know, First Avenue and 12th Street in 2003 right. was kind of not the East Village it right. is today. Well, was that the neighborhood of the Hells Angels? Yeah. They just left on this Fifth week. Street. They I were mean, on Fifth right? Street. They just got kicked out by the yuppies. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed it took that long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were harmless. They were great. Right? Fifth they kept Street. it clean. Sophie's. Now someone's making a face, but they kept all the drug guys away. I've always had a soft spot for the East Village. I mean, when I was yeah. going to college, I lived on 6th Street in Little India there. Mm-hmm. And those were my stomping grounds. Uh-huh. And like, man, it was such a fun time yeah. to be in New York in your 20s, living in the East Village, working for Famous Artists Agency right. and like hanging out at, you know, Sophie's and 7B and Save the Robots and all the crazy stuff that I was know, going on back if then. If you're that age now and you're listening to this, like, don't rush it. Everyone always wants to get to the next step and the next yeah. step and the next stage. Right. And you look back, you're like, it was so simple. Yeah. 
Like it was so simple back then, but no doubt. you know, but it's all good, it right? Is. It is. Yeah. It's all. It's all good. Totally. So when you opened your restaurant, were you married at the time? I was. Okay. I had just gotten married actually, okay. but I had been with my wife for like four or five years. I guess I should say, before I opened up Hearth, I opened up a seasonal restaurant in Martha's Vineyard mm-hmm. called La Cucina. Okay. My folks, um, my folks had a bed and bre- renovated a bed and breakfast mm. in Egertown. Okay. And uh, I would go uh, every summer and check it out. And then I was like, I should just open a restaurant mm-hmm. here. And I was at Gramercy Tavern at the time. And, uh, and things slow down. And, to things do... slow down in the summer in okay. Manhattan. Right. So when I went to Tom and I was like, "Look, listen, I want to open up a seasonal place on Martha's Vineyard," he was like, "Sure, go ahead." He was very supportive. Hmm. Uh, so I opened and ran a place there every summer for like six years. Hmm. So and it was kind of fun during all these a lot of work. Yeah, during all these work and all these jobs, you've not once said anything about your lifestyle, like how working in a restaurant. Mm. Because as I said, you know, we had. Um, you know, some other chefs here that talked about yeah. going through some really intense. So just talk a little bit about that. Is that like- I mean, look, this whole chef is a rock star thing. I mean, it's true, except you don't get the glamour of the rock star. Right. It's like, look, it's uh, your singular, you know, I w- most chefs I know are like perfectionist and singularly focused on, on the work. And uh, it's intense. I mean, like especially like thinking about the seasonality of Martha's Vineyard. I mean, we were six days a week and we were busy every single night. And you came in, you know, I came in in the morning at like 8.30 and you ran all day to prep your station for six o'clock opening. Like literally like running to get to the Mm -hmm. finish line. Right. And then that's the starting line because then you go through service. And then at the end of service, all the work you did all day is gone. And you're like, fuck, tomorrow I got to do this all over again. So what time do you and normally you, I mean, leave? Try like to time? do that six days a week. Like run as fast as you can and then go through service and then you're at zero and the next day you start over. But when you were done with work, uh, A, when you were done with the chefing part, did you have to stay for the cleanup? God forbid, no. Thank- thankfully, no. Right. I didn't have to clean up the restaurant. We had dishwashers. Mm-hmm. But like what you do have to do is wind down because you're tweaked out because right. you've literally been running all day. Um and then, like, what do you do at one? Th- what do you do yeah. at twelve or one in the right. morning? That's a good. You're not going to go to the, you know. What do you're you not going to go for a walk on the, east, you know, on the east side of the. So you know what, what did you do? Well, you booze. Okay. You know, you hang out with friends, uh-huh. and you have fun, and you booze, and, and then you where meet was girls, your wife? And you smoke oh, this cigarettes. Is, okay, but when you were got you married, do drugs. Then. So, huh? so, okay, I, I just talked over, like, the good stuff, the juicy stuff that, like, people are like, wow, <laughs> I mean, there's it's drugs a very, and girls. It's a, party, and... it's a very party lifestyle. I mean, you're surrounded, by, you're surrounded by food. You're surrounded by booze. Everybody's young, and you're in the entertainment business, and uh, it's very conducive to a not healthy lifestyle. And your adrenaline you and your well. cortisol's probably Your cortisol's up. through the roof at the right. wrong times, uh-huh. right? Um, and it does wreak havoc on you, and it's fine for a while but then it catches up to you and like it's like I, I almost like it's so cliched like I almost don't want to talk about it because every chef I know has the same story right. and they kind of tell the same story um, because in your 20s and your 30s when you're like crazy ambitious and you're pushing really really hard in that business um, at the end of a 20 year run like you're a you're a mess so how was your physical health it was god awful. Okay. And what was the big <laughs> what was the big turnaround? Like what did um, 
You know? For me, I for, mean, I mean, Seamus told his story, and he basically he said he almost died. Yeah, he, he got really sick die. with he, rheumatoid arthritis. Right. Um, it wasn't quite as severe with me. Like uh, the thing that kind of triggered it for me was like my inability to like manage people and i felt like i wasn't getting anywhere because like my management style it just it it started to really uh, it just didn't feel good i was becoming abusive my fuse was very short i wasn't leading a team i i looked at myself and i was like god this is awful like you're I'm not, not you. being i'm not being a good leader i'm not cultivating anything that i'm proud of you think it's because um, you were just exhausted I think it's, I think for a lot of factors, I think I was exhausted. I think that I was just, you know, generally very unhealthy and, and that plays into so much, you know, of your, where your mind is at and where your, you know, your psychology is at. Um, and I was like, God, this is not working. I was smoking a lot. I was overweight. Um, I had begun to read about what it meant to be healthy. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, motivated and I went, and saw a nutritionist mm -hmm. who did a full blood panel, not the typical right. annual blood panel right. of like, your total cholesterol is this mm -hmm. and your LDL is that. Like it was a, uh, a more say? functional, um, I, God, I don't, uh, I don't remember, I think Rodriguez, I don't remember his name. Iro? Rodriguez? I know them all. You know, yeah. I know them all. I think it was him. Yeah, I know he's them on, all. He's on the uh, Upper yeah, West upper, Side I, yeah, by Central Park. Side. Yep. Oh my God! Oh, you know yeah. that guy? I, I know everything about health and wellness in this friggin' city. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So I went to yeah. him. Okay, he was my first guy. Right. Okay, and man, he, he's a great guy, yeah. by the way. Mm -hmm. He is. I mean, such a charming yeah. man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But you leave. And with, he scared like, bags. the shit out of me. And you leave with bags of vitamins. Yeah. A lot of vitamins. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he really scared the hell out of me, man. He was like, "You are." Mm-hmm. He's like, you're such a mess. Yeah, you were probably a walking time bomb. I was I such mean, a mess. Yeah. So when did you one day, like the myth of the story is you just opened a window in your restaurant and started selling cups of broth. <laughs> so it, that's that's t like Brodo. I mean, yeah. If you haven't heard of Brodo, you will. If you haven't tasted it, to me, it's more important than going to when you come to New York, if you've never been there, you go to Brodo before you go to Katz's Deli. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. That, Thank I, you. Yeah. That, That's to so me, it's sweet. a New York thing. I'd like to think so. I mean, it's been a fun ride. Um, but so tell me the story of the idea. So it does, you know, it, it does run a bit parallel with the story I just mm -hmm. told because one of the things and, and you know, look, I always have this caveat whenever I t have this conversation. It's like, I'm not a silver bullet guy. I think it's total bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know better than anyone. It's like being healthy and being well is like a very big picture. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of buckets involved. Um, in the bucket of food and nutrition, I think that broth has a very big role to play. Um, one of the things I did uh, was I replaced my coffee with broth. Um, so I was drinking. Even in the morning? I was drinking, well. You woke up and had a cup of broth? Well, listen, I had been drinking literally five, six quarts of coffee a day oh, for a lot of years. You know, what's funny in kitchen culture, you have quart containers everywhere. Uh -huh. So I would just like, I would just fill up my quart container with coffee mm -hmm. and I would drink it all day long. Iced in the summer, hot in the winter, like just like crazy. Um, so one of the things, and, and I kind of like, I was like, this can't be good for me, right? So the, one of the first things I did was 
I had one coffee in the mo- I had one quart of coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. and then I transitioned to broth because uh-huh. we have hearth broth, which is my cooking broth right. at the restaurant. Um, and I began to drink broth throughout the rest of the day, and uh, and it really had an impact on so mm-hmm. many things. Right, it made me eat less, so I lost weight. Um, it kind of calmed me down. I wasn't all jacked up on coffee all day. And and look, like after I, I've been reading and learning so much about broth and what I believe happened is I believe that that habit of drinking broth every day healed my very damaged gut. Mm-hmm. And once you have a healthy gut, everything kind of falls in line. And it sounds a little um, uh, snakes oil salesman-y right. of me as the broth guy to say that, but it's like, it's kind of amazing. And anecdotally, I see it in the shops on the daily. It's like, this person comes in and says, it fixed my irritable bowel. And this person comes in and says, my acne went away. And this person comes in and says, my joints don't ache anymore. And this person comes in and says, all of these things. And it's like, I really believe it's because right. it heals your gut. And once you have a healthy gut, guess what? You can like absorb nutrition and... Um, your immune system is activated in a way that it wasn't before, and and your body has such uh, ability to like heal what ails you if you're starting from a healthy place. And do, and that healthy place is like a healthy gut. So do you still not drink coffee? No, I love coffee. Oh, so you could now you I could, drink black coffee every morning, okay. um, but but why? I don't drink it all day. Right. Exactly, yeah. like I was drinking it like all day. Right. You know, like before service, you know, it's like six o'clock is the big gun goes right. off for service. Yeah. And it's like I'd have a big, huge quart of coffee pre-service wow. and then drink it throughout service. And so what year did you open up the window? Because I remember being there and I can't tell you how many of those early cups spilled yeah. in my driver's car because they weren't <laughs> We've quite. We've gotten better. Yeah, I'm that. sure you have because they weren't quite. But I was there. My office was in Soho. My yeah. driver would pick me up. I had a driver at the time. We would drive across town and I would go, we'd pre-order it. Mm -hmm. I'd go and I'd bring it home. And sometimes, most of the time it made it home. Yeah. So November of 2014 is when I launched the window. Um, And it's funny, it coincided with the fact that I just renewed my lease at Hearth. Right. And it was a 65% increase. So all of a sudden I was very motivated to find another revenue stream. And that window on First Avenue, I had looked at it, you know, for years, I was going to, I was going to sell apple cider donuts out of it at one mm. time because there's this place on the vineyard called Backdoor Donuts. Right. So I was like, I could do my own version of Backdoor Donuts. And then that never happened. And then like people love the meatballs at Hearth. So I was like, I'm going to do meatball subs to all the NYU East Village kids. Um, and then that never happened. And they never happened because I didn't need it. Right. You know, it's like. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, my God, like I need to figure out a way to increase my revenue. And um, I had been going through all this stuff. I had been drinking the broth, as I just said. And um, I, I was just like, why don't I try to sell it in mm-hmm. a coffee cup? And uh, it was really, I, I often, you know, I tell this story quite a bit, but it's like that first three months of that window was literally, I think, the best three months of my life. Oh, yeah. Starting a new business oh my God. that you believe it was in. Like, and it's really little and simple. It was It was like, it was magic. I just oh. got out of, I just had a separation with my business partner too, which was like a very freeing yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like getting out of that relationship allowed my brain to get turned back on. And I thought of Brodo and I, I executed on it. 
uh, with with a lot of people around me. Like I don't want to ever mm. sound like this is a singular thing because of it's course. like to this day and throughout my career, it's like it's like all the people around mm -hmm. you that are so important. Right. Um, and what does the name Brodo come from? It's the Italian word for broth. Of course, I should know this. Yes, you should. Yes, Brodo, of course. <laughs> all right. Um, and it was like, look, I, I was like, I thought we would do $200 a day. Right. You know, I thought I would sell like a dozen cups of broth. And what did you do? And it just like, it went, it went off the rails. It mm. was really amazing. Like people were like running up to the window, like psychotic, right. you know, like yeah. psychotic 40 something women were like, yeah. oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> you're selling like all these like Sally, right. Sally Fallon advocates like nourishing broth and nourishing traditions and right. and also and people like, that want to lose weight because okay in the afternoon i don't need to eat the junk i've been yeah, nibbling on yeah i mean i used to have a frozen yogurt when i was in my 20s like, exactly thinking it was healthy and you know one of the greatest things for me is like it's so it feels like such a guilty pleasure right. yeah and it's like it's like the perfect it's so nice when something that's so good for you can right. feel like yeah. this satisfying mm -hmm. guilt. It's like such a win, right? right? So you drink this. I, I like to call it the world's first comfort food. It's like it's very soothing. Oh, it's and it's very delicious. But it's, you know what? Our grandmothers have been making chicken soup forever. Exactly. On every corner of the globe. Right. But there's different flavors yeah. that you have incorporated. Now, these little, like, cool little bottles add that you don't, the add-ins that you don't sell. You go there and you could pick, there's three different kinds of broth now or there's four? There's four broths. Because there's there's the chicken, hearth, yep. which is... Turkey, beef, and chicken mixed. Right. Then there's the beef. Correct. Chicken. Yep. Marine. And vegan. And uh, vegan. It's a shiitake and uh, mushroom, uh, shiitake and seaweed. But are you getting really, no, No, the functional benefits really come from the protein. Right. So the collagen is there protein. collagen in the marine, the fish? Um, there's some in the seaweed, right? right. There's some there's right. some collagen in seaweeds, but, right. but not compared as much. to the Com meat right. broths, not even close. Right. And so the add-ins, what you call them, what are they? There's coconut milk. Uh yep, coconut milk, chili paste, ginger juice, turmeric, uh, roasted garlic puree, rosemary oil. We do seaweeds, we do a bunch of spices. You know, what's nice about broth, it's like a perfect canvas for flavor. Right. And I mean, ask any chef, right? It's like a staple in the kitchen. Right. You start with broth and water and oil and salt and pepper. It's literally on that list of the five things you need to run a kitchen. Mm -hmm. Broth is is one of them. Okay. Um, so, you know, we'd like to say it's the forgotten staple. I mean, if you have good broth in your kitchen, it's amazing how quickly you could put together delicious meals. So right now, there's how many places that you could people could buy your broth? There's the window still. So we have shops. Yes. Um, and then we how many shops? Right four now? and a half in New all in New York City. Correct. Four and a half in New York City, and then I know I bought mine on Fresh Direct. Fresh Direct is a great partner yeah. for us. Fresh Direct and Food Kick are okay. amazing. Okay. Um, we're in all the Whole Foods in Westchester County and New York City, um, and we're in another like hundred retail outlets. We have a we have a small um, distribution partner, uh, so we're we're growing grocery, but we want to go slowly. Like it's a very it's a very challenging space, grocery, mm -hmm. and it's a very expensive pay, uh, space. Um, so uh, what else are we doing? We have direct-to-consumer, so brodo.com is amazing. We have East and West Coast, so we could almost cover the entire country. Um, and 
we've been doing stuff with NYU Langone, which is really something that I'm so proud of. And I really am pushing very hard to have there be a hospital mission to what mm. we're doing. Um, you know, back in the day, this was a restorative that right. they served in hospitals that really helped nourish people. Um, and um, and it's turned into a quarter teaspoon of bouillon cube and hot water oh. now. And I really feel like it's criminal, right. to be honest. Oh, and yeah. I, I really, mm -hmm. I, I, I aspire to a day where we can get traditionally made broth back into that system. And so how much protein, like I just drank a cup, how much protein do you think I drank? Um, like if there, you know, how many grams so do double, you think? Uh, it's like double digits per cup. So okay. a large, you know, yeah. you're getting like 18 to 20 right. in a large cup of broth. And if you think about it, people will run and go have, you know, a smoothie, a protein shake. Well, it's don't, not even yeah. close to don't what you're getting. Don't even get me started on that. No, but it's, but, So what, yeah. yeah, what I love is like, if you go to the, if you go to the, um, vitamin store yeah there's like all these vitamins l-glutamine mm -hmm. and glycine and all and collagen and right. all of these things that happen naturally in broth right but um, the only thing about this broth is i can't bring it with me i'm going to yep. india for 10 days right oh my god i wish there was a little the convenience cube or powder or something condensed right. freeze-dried yep. that i could just pour hot water and have you thought of that um, I have, but like I'm so, being that I'm a chef. Yeah. Oh no, it's got to be uh, the right. But that's why I just, I just really, I, I believe in the power of whole food. Right. Right. Like so, in the '90s, there was this thing around beta carotene, and and all these studies came out. They were like, beta carotene and carrots are anti-cancer, and they're, mm -hmm. you know, it's so amazing. Like we need to figure out a way to ingest right. more beta carotene. So they figured out a way to get the beta carotene out of the carrot. And they like did experiments like feeding people beta carotene and like it actually did the opposite of what they thought it would do. And my belief is that uh, our bodies and food are both very, very complex. And when you integrate them both, there's stuff that goes on that allows us to absorb it and utilize it mm -hmm. in a way that like distilling beta carotene out of a carrot and putting it into a pill and then putting that into your body it's just, it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge advocate of traditional food. And this is like the traditional form of collagen, unless you want to chew on cartilage of a chicken. And not many of us want to chew no, on we, cartilage we, of a chicken. We do not. No, there is definitely advantage of eating your food, but not everyone has access to Brodo. Yeah, I know. You know, so there, there are some value in having... For sure. You know, some other options out there. But I do think as someone who, you know, is an entrepreneur and thinks of opportunities if I you know. could figure out i mean you would only put your name and your logo on something you believed in yeah so you're not going to just get a stock yeah collagen broth i'm really on a mission to get people cooking in their kitchens again uh -huh. even though i know you hate cooking oh uh, no i, I don't dream hate of cooking. a day i love cooking i just wish i was better at it no seriously <laughs> well you have to practice yeah um, you know i really hope that there's a day where we could do i want to have brodo branded fats mm -hmm. and i want to have brodo branded sofritos of the world huh because if you could have like different sofritos and different fats and different broths mm -hmm. in your kitchen, right? you could make delicious food in like lickety split. Well, if you could teach me how to cook, you could teach anyone to I'd cook. I'd be happy to teach you yeah. how to cook. Yeah, I if actually- If you would allow me. Well, I not only I'll have- I'll go to Montclair. I not only have the perfect kitchen to cook in and shoot things in, um, I have- Let's uh, do it. No, but we also have where the Food Network shoots out of Montclair in a studio. 
oh, right amazing. across from my office. That's my studio. So we have a full shooting. I see kitchen. a little cooking show happening. Bobby. Yes, uh, uh, definitely a cooking show to teach someone who has no clue <laughs> or desire. Get, yeah, no, no, no. I do. Have <laughs> do you a have desire. a desire to learn how to cook? Yes. I think the last time I, I yeah, I think you told me at my restaurant you're yeah. like. No, I don't want to. I don't even oh, no, want to learn how to cook. Oh no, that no, I did not Is that say not that. True? No, I okay. no, I just I got my it wrong. my family, they love me, and it's very ironic. My three kids are all like chefs, like oh, not cool. for not professionally, right? But, but they, they like cooking. They cook. More than they go out, they love getting. I think in the it's kitchen. coming back, and it's I don't know so where exciting. they got it. Is coming back, and finally, I don't know where they got it. People are 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 finally understanding yeah. that um, it's one of the reasons why we lost our health. Yeah, is because we outsource our cooking to everybody else. But, but then, why don't you open a home cooking restaurant? I know it's not even possible. What your does that mean? Well, first of all, cooking restaurant. Your restaurant is so delicious. Thank you. Uh, but I ate things on that menu that I wouldn't normally eat. Like at home, I wouldn't eat. The carbs. The, I don't remember what your specialties were, but they mm. were so good. But it Thanks. was for me. It was a carb bomb, and I don't. Right, there's do well. definitely carbs there. But, but like you know, yeah. was it potatoes, fries, whatever it was? It no was no fries. We don't do fried stuff there. So what's your so like? Look, tell me I, about yeah. We we I kind of relaunched Hearth and repositioned Hearth because right. I really believe in simple, wholesome, you know, well sourced, high quality food. So we don't. It's not a very chefy restaurant, like. Yeah. We sell a plate of sautéed greens, and uh -huh. we sell a plate of sautéed mushrooms, and we have a mill in our basement, and we mill all of our own flour. I guess I ate um, the bread, which was delicious. Yeah, we do a garlic bread right. with uh, yeah. Sullivan Street does a two-day fermented uh, local grain bread, and we put grass-fed butter on it with a lot of garlic, and we right. make a killer garlic bread. Um, but the food there is very, very simple. It's it's uh, Oh, it's it was delicious. Yeah. Could have been the... You know, the the wine. I also drank wine that night, and I don't drink wine. Yeah, wine wrecks me these I days. I don't drink wine. So yeah. do you, what's your alcohol thoughts, and what do you do with it? Um, I drink wine, but I'm a brown, I, I love bourbon. Okay. Uh, I'm a big bourbon drinker, and uh, and I love wine. Mm -hmm. Wine with dinner is like. Yeah. Well, you're Italian. Yeah. You're Italian. Everyone in my family drinks wine. I, I just, I have a Tito's. It's clear liquid. The doctor said drink a lot of clear liquid. And so I'm listening <laughs> right, to There him. you go. Yeah. But I want to get back to your, um, you know, when you won the chef of the year. Okay. Okay. You said it was, you know, it was what, two years ago? Yeah, 2017. I mean, did, is that like winning the Nobel Prize in your... I, I mean... <laughs> Come on. The Nobel Prize of know. chefing. Is you there know, a... I guess, look, it depends on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I am not going to downplay it. I was yeah. like incredibly honored... It was so nice to be recognized after like toiling away uh, for so many years. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'd been working in New York City right. as a chef for over 20 years and like it destroyed my health. Yeah. Um, and I was very committed to it. And I, I pushed really, really hard and I and I sacrificed so much and to to finally like to get recognized by colleagues right. and by the James Beard Foundation. Right. It was it was absolutely a highlight. And. And, you know, I'm so honored. But the, the big but is it's like as you get older, it's like you start realizing these external things are really not that meaningful. Right. Like so I went, the, I, you know, it's like I was nominated for three years in a row. Mm -hmm. The process of like going to the awards and not hearing your name is like it's just like, oh, my God, you freak uh -huh. out. You have to do your um, 
you know, your speech. So there's all this anxiety. Yeah. And then you so by win. the third year when I won you didn't and I speech. finally got up there and I gave my speech and I was very proud of myself because I, I, I think I did a relatively good job. Um, but it's like the next day you realize like it's all so fleet. Like it's all so fleeting. No, but you have to sometimes stop and smell the roses and say, wow, that was cool. It, I did. Your grandkids will be, you I know, know. Think but like the whole world, cool. it's just like, yeah. Things happen so right. quickly, you know, and like the world is so vast and it's just like I couldn't help but kind of reflect on it and be like, I don't know, just acknowledge like the smallness right. of one's yeah. life yeah. on I this just, planet. I think more it's like that's really cool and let's put it on a shelf. Yeah. Because and you, I did that. Yeah. It's it's actually physically on your shelf. I was like. Actually, mm -hmm. I think the. Where is it? I gave it to uh, I gave it to Amy Karras, who's like. The controller at the restaurant who's been with me uh, since day one uh, and it sits so down nice. in, in the office uh, you've also been a judge on chopped and a top top chef <laughs> on okay on today so all right you've been a judge <laughs> on chopped there's no periods in this like thing i have okay. so tell me about that <laughs> i've done some judging on top chef and on chopped and on the bobby flay thing yeah um and it's fun it's way better to be a judge than to be a competitor i also Competed it on, competed on Next Iron Chef. Okay. Um, and it's like a series where it's like there's ten chefs and like every week one chef goes away, and that was brutal. Like how, that almost yeah. killed me. And how it was far intense. Did you, how far did you get? I got to the final. Oh, cool. I almost became an Iron Chef. And so who beat you? Uh, Mark Forgione. Okay. Yeah. So are it these... was like Thanksgiving challenge. Uh, so you guys all, uh, everyone was well known, and you knew each other. Yeah, it was uh. so fun. Oh, I bet it we was We laughed our asses off I bet and it had was so fun. much fun. Have you ever But it was hard. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, oh, yeah. people are like, was it real? You know, is it real? And it's like, fuck yes, it's real. Uh, I mean, that thing almost killed me. Yeah. Well, have you ever <laughs> been a, have you ever been a guest on the Food Network show The Kitchen? No. Because Bobby Flay comes out sometimes. That's the show that shoots in Montclair. Huh. Home of your new Marco. My new, right, the Marco's, new restaurant. Yeah, Marco Montclair. Marco's Montclair. <laughs> Not a restaurant. It's a window. I'm going to find oh, you a window. It's Marco's window. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, so that's really <laughs> cool. Well, talk to me about what else you want to do because, oh, first of all, I didn't talk about these, the red, the blue, the green, and the orange, the, your brand new soups. Right. So, so you know, um, we're constantly trying to develop new products. Mm -hmm. uh, Right now, we have a 30-ounce quart container of broth that's frozen. Okay. And it's not exactly conducive to e-commerce play, to like a big, that's heavy, frozen one. thing. Yeah. yeah. I love um, the glass one. Yeah, the glass ones are great. Those are will, in the shop. I will keep we those We cold glass. fill in the shop. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to bring single serves to market. Mm -hmm. So it's like a 12-ounce cup filled with 10 ounces of broth. Okay. You'll be able to get like the, the Brodo broth shop experience. Okay. We're going to do all of the skews of broth. And then our, our two top selling combos are the deeply rooted, which is uh, turmeric and ginger, mm. and uh, the spicy Nona, which is chili paste and garlic. Um, so we're making single serves out of those. But these are all frozen. Yeah, they're all they're frozen. All frozen. But I, I think that once they get on uh, e-commerce with something that lets right. you get an ex an experience, uh -huh. it would probably work a little better mm -hmm. for us. Oh, no, um, I think that's really cool. And how many books do you have? Three. Three books. I'm trying to sell my agent on another book because I really want to do the Bross of the World book. Mm -hmm. I think it would be really beautiful. If you can't like sell your corner... agent on a book, get a new agent. Yeah, I know. Sorry. 
Well, it's agent. hard, but that space yeah. is very challenging today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, book sales are rough. Well, we don't write books to make money. No. We don't. We we write books to have a platform. Yeah, totally. Do you have a blog? Uh, we have a blog, bro- at brodo.com. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's a platform. I mean, it is. It yeah. is. But I could totally see this book, right? Yeah. It's like there's such a rich history of broth uh-huh. in every culture, you know? So, just, like France and Italy and Thailand and Vietnam and Korea and Japan. So, just uh, do the broth. You, I mean, just do the book. You could always self publish it and yeah. probably make all the money for yourself. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry, agent. Don't get mad at me. I'm really sorry. I love my agent. Okay, good. He's the best. Yeah. Okay, good. He's an amazing guy. So where where else could people find you? Instagram. Uh-huh. What is your Instagram? Marco Canora. Okay. And Brodo. And Brodo. And Brodo. We have two. Do you uh, are you Hearth on, Restaurant? Are you on the your Brodo or Leah does most of our Brodo stuff. Okay. She's amazing too. And you don't have to like call her up and say I sometimes poke at her. Yeah. Uh, and tell her, you know, you got to do this or you got to retweet that. Wait, or did you sometimes see this? poke because I kind of either I <laughs> it's a work in progress. Things are getting much better where I don't have to like fix change. Uh-oh. No, because you're starting to get my random right. hobby speak. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to capture yeah, that. It is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I have a personal Instagram, personal Twitter, and then Brodo has all of the platforms and uh I wish I was better at it. I wish I was more active. It's like it takes such an immense amount of like. You teach me how to work. saute something, cook something that tastes good. I will teach Help you. Help me get better at social. Oh, I do. I do it. I do. I run five different Instagrams. That's so amazing. I, you do it yourself. Yes, because I love it. That's amazing. I probably do four, and you do one, something like that. You know, look. Yeah. I, in my old age, I like. I love this idea. I've been meditating a lot, and I love this idea of being present. You know, and it's like. It's like when I'm at home cooking dinner, I'm like, oh, I could make such an amazing story out of this dinner. Right. And I did it for a while and people loved it. Yeah. Like on Instagram stories, oh they were like, people went nuts. Yes, because like, we want a glimpse. More, what are you more. doing at like, home? Yeah. But you know what that means? It means like I'm not present with my right. daughter. Oh, my God. You're and making me like, feel guilty. Well. Yeah. No, my husband's always saying to me, to don't feel guilty. Well, no, no, like, because you're right. It's, right. ha- it's hard, saying, you know, it's it like, down. I don't want to be tethered to, I don't want this phone like pasted on my face. I'm just face. like a visual maniac though. I, I, love, I love the excitement of too. it. I love so, capturing yeah. imagery. Uh, you know, it's such a great platform, you know, yeah. and, and it's super addictive. There's one question I ask everyone. The question is, if you could tell the people listening one tip, one thing they could do to change their life. It could be anything. It could be a cooking technique. It could be, it could be your life technique. Right. So two tips. Yeah. One is, so, you know, if you have a cooking practice at home, what happens is at the end of the week, you have a bunch of like random little tidbits of stuff in your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Like at our house, it's always like a beat up, wilted bunch of like uh, cilantro mm-hmm. and like a few scraggling scallions and like a soft spongy carrot. And there's always like random little tidbits. Uh, and every Saturday I'm, I cut them all up and I sweat them and I make a soup. And it's like lunch for me and my daughters on Saturday. Okay, you just have to tell me what it means to sweat it all up. Sweat? Sweat it all up. Li- what does it mean in, in a cooking? pot, In a, a pot. A little bit of oil uh-huh. and a lid. That's it. So it's okay. like you heat up some oil, you throw in all the stuff, chopped however you want, no rules. Put a lid, put a little salt on it, put a lid on it, low heat, and let it steam and saute in there. 
And that's what sweating is. And you eat it that by itself? It's very sweaty in there. So it's like a stew? No, well, that's the beginning stage ah. of soup. So then once you sweat it all, then you add broth. And then you cook it. And then it's soup. And how long do you cook it's it for? It's pretty easy. How long do you cook it for? Like 20 minutes. Whatever. It doesn't okay. matter. You can cook it less or more. It doesn't matter. Oh, my God. Like, that's the thing. Everybody's I'm going to make like, sweaty soup this people, weekend. I'm sweaty so excited. Soup. <laughs> Everybody gets so obsessed with rules around things. And it's like. Was there any vegetables no not rules? to sweat? That Oh, you can't put turnips. That tastes terrible. Turnips like, are great. In the sweaty soup. Sweaty soup. So anything in your refrigerator. I, sweaty I soup. have a lot of those vegetables. on. I do mine on Sundays, though. Chop them all huh. up and throw okay. them all in there and then add good broth and like let it cook. Finish it with some good olive oil, black pepper, Parmesan cheese, and it's amazing. And I don't have to put salt in it while it cooks? Of course you have to season uh, it, of Bobby. Oh, no. But see? Look. No, I don't get Come it. On. Yeah. No. I'm, <laughs> I, I, so, okay. I'm, on this cooking episode, it's going to be me, you, and Dylan. I love it. Anyways. Okay. And then your other tip? I mean, 10 minutes a day. Um, put down, Put down everything. Take your glasses off. Close your eyes and just breathe. And where, where and when do you do this? Whenever I can, sometimes on the train, sometimes on the subway. Um, it's so easy to find 10 minutes, and it's really kind of meaningful. It, it works. You seem very chill. I, I have been. I mean, i am really been amazed at, like, how effective it is. Wow. I'm going to sweaty soup it this weekend and sweaty meditate. Sweaty soup and meditation. Yes, I like that. That's your book after the broth. I love it. Anyways, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that was my conversation with Marco Canora the owner and entrepreneur of Brodo Bone Broth. Meeting Marco has been great. He's an incredible chef. His food is delicious. And once again, I love anyone that believes in the simple things that food is your best medicine. And I hope that he'll be able to figure out how to bring Brodo to the masses. And that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at justbobbybrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.